Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2841, How to Grow from Your Pain, part two, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. And I'm Justin Mollick, the guy that reads to you every single day of the year. Now, today's episode is part two of a longer post. If you didn't catch part one yesterday, I'd recommend listening to that first. But if you're all caught up, then let's get right to part two and continue optimizing your life. How to Grow From Your Pain, part two, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Life after trauma. Trauma creates a distinct before and after point in our lives. Trauma creates moments that we'll likely never forget. The extent that we can experience personal growth after trauma depends a lot on the narrative we construct around this before and after point. It's normal to ruminate about your pain, to question the meaning of it all, and to feel any combination of guilt, shame, fear, and loneliness. This can really suck. You end up playing the trauma over and over again in your head like a bad movie you're forced to watch in a theater where you're strapped to the chair and your eyelids are taped open. It doesn't feel real. And each replay feels almost as painful as the last. It's like your brain punching itself over and over again for months or even years on end. But as shitty as this is, it's actually a crucial step in creating a narrative around your trauma. The narrative you construct will help lead you out of the dark corners of your mind and ultimately to a better place. As humans, we need to make sense of the world around us. And like I said before, trauma rarely makes sense as it's happening to us. So what should that narrative look like? Well, there are a few things to keep in mind. Number one, it's not about deserving. Our natural inclination when something horrible happens is to ask, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Generally, the younger we are or the worse the experience, the more we will naturally come to blame ourselves for our pain. We will come to feel that there must be something inherently wrong with us and that we did something to bring the situation upon ourselves. The most important step in forming the meaning of our pain is understanding that it's not about deserving. That goes for ourselves, but it also goes for others as well. It's not about deserving. Pain is not a zero-sum game. If somebody hurts us, hurting them back doesn't make it better. In fact, pain is the opposite. Pain is contagious. It's like a virus. The more we hurt, the more we will feel inclined to hurt ourselves further and to hurt others further. Our own perceived shortcomings will be used to justify further destructive behaviors towards ourselves and towards those around us. It's important to recognize this and to stop it before it goes too far. We did nothing to deserve our trauma. Nobody deserves trauma. But deserving is not the point. It's just something that happens. Number two, 
a new appreciation for life. I remember when a close friend of mine died, it immediately made me aware of my other friendships and how fragile and tenuous they were. I found myself making the point of telling my friends that I cared about them and that they were important to me. This had the effect of actually strengthening some of my relationships despite the fact that I had just gone through an intense loss. Because trauma confronts us with the possibility of our own mortality and with the possibility that most of what we thought was true about the world may not be, it has the interesting side effect of exposing what we've been taking for granted for most of our lives. It's extreme pain that has an uncanny ability to clarify what actually matters in our lives and removes any inhibition or doubt as to whether we should take advantage of it or not. Number three, talk about it. Narratives don't form in a vacuum. They only exist when they're communicated to others. Researchers have found over and over again that a strong predictor of personal growth following trauma is a willingness to open up about the trauma in the context of a supportive social network. Find a friend, a family member, a therapist, your pet iguana, and share your experience, your feelings, your doubts, and your fears that surround your trauma. Get out of your own head and share your shame. Some of the most profound wisdom in your life will come from your trauma, but that wisdom can never be realized if you don't share it in some form or another. There's a stigma in our culture around sharing our pain. Unfortunately, disclosing that we're hurting runs up against a number of taboos, that we should be positive and pleasant, that our problems are just that, our problems, and that the self-reliance of people means we get what we deserve. But squelching our trauma only makes it worse. It festers and infects us. And this is perhaps the greatest lesson we can get from Maya Angelou. Her ability to transmute her pain into a message of hope and empowerment is what led to her healing, not the other way around. It's sharing our own personal pain that allows us to move beyond it. Because it's one thing to just sit and intellectualize our problems to ourselves, but once we share and mold that meaning out in the world around us, our pain becomes something outside of us. And because it's now outside of us, we are finally able to live without it. You just listened to part two of the post titled How to Grow from Your Pain by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Thank you again to Mark. I think for each person, the points that he brought up at the end will be different. So what I mean is maybe you've already talked about a specific traumatic event with a friend or loved one or a therapist, but maybe still think of it in terms of deserving. Or on the other hand, maybe it has never been about deserving, but you've simply tried to bury a certain traumatic event as deep as possible and don't like bringing it up. And that could be limiting the growth and positivity that could come from it. Really think it depends on the person and the trauma. And getting professional help could be what's needed. In any case, hopefully this article was helpful for you. If you enjoy his writing, Mark Manson has a few books you can check out. But with that, have a great rest of your day and do stick around because I have our weekly bonus episode coming up for you in just a moment. So stay tuned for that, where your optimal life awaits.